Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. I am your host, Amanda Joy Loveland, and as always, I am so honored and thrilled that you are here. I have an awesome guest today. I'm actually interviewing my son, my 19-year-old son, to get his perspective on his experience through divorce and through his mom choosing out uh, me, choosing out of Mormonism, and his dad choosing in. And eventually, Lucas made the decision not to be Mormon anymore. And yeah, he shares nine years of his life and the experiences that he went through. And before we dive in, I have an announcement that I would like to make. I have re-released my first book, Love and the Spaces in Between. This is a book that when I received the inspiration to write it, I was a little surprised that it ended up being all of my relationships. And it is a vulnerable raw book of the love, the loss, the learning through each relationship and what I personally needed to do in order to finally attract my forever person, my husband, Travis, and have a healthy relationship. And I, my hope with writing this book and sharing it with all of you is I know my story is not just mine. Similar to this podcast, as we listen to each other's stories, we resonate with pieces and We're here to help each other, help each other to having all the things that we're wanting in our lives. And this book, there's a lot of self-reflecting questions and a lot of tools that I offer, things that I learned, perspective that I gained, in hopes that it'll assist you with wherever you are at in your relationship. Maybe you have a relationship, but it could be better, or you don't have a relationship, or you've been in unhealthy relationships. Um, even with narcissism or emotional or physical abuse or one of my relationships, he was borderline personality disorder, had a borderline personality disorder. And that relationship was really challenging. Having to get a temporary restraining order and going through some of those experiences was hard. And by sharing these, again, by just sharing my story, my hope is that it will help you have a better, more fulfilling relationship in your life. So I will post the link in the show notes as far as where to grab my book. You can find it on Amazon. And I also created a relationship quiz. And you can find that on my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash quiz. And that relationship quiz is really some really great questions and self-reflecting questions to see where your relationship is at. And at the end, you will have an opportunity to grab my mini relationship course that I am offering to you for free. This is a $34.95 value. And by going and completing the quiz and going through those steps, you can get access to that. And the mini course is a really beautiful, there's a meditation in one of the lessons that is very, very healing. And I have had really great feedback so far from those that have taken this mini course. And I know that it will help you in your life. So head over, take the quiz, grab my book. And yeah, I'm super excited to be sharing these things with you. Now I will stop talking and we will dive into the interview with my son, Lucas. You, you've been waiting for this, huh? Well, yeah, because a month and a half ago you said, hey, you want a to A month and a half has been longer than that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Okay. Are you wanting to do this? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I'm just... Are like, you nervous? No, no. Well, it's not nervous. It's just cautious. Cause Why feel, are you cautious? Well, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of the stuff that 
will kind of like talk about is I'll reflect a lot off of because I mean I've listened to your podcast a million times and so a million times you were number four on my all-time podcast this month well yeah I I felt like you just put that because you felt like you had to no I mean I put my favorite artists and songs and stuff it's it's your Spotify rap dude I only have once a year but no just like reflecting eyes and stuff like that and like taking experiences from the past and just like placing it here just to kind of like give another sense of like perspective i guess so you're you, you're cautious about what you say because well like name wise name wise yeah because i have somebody who are like i'll say like oh, i'll refer to them i well I, don't mama. say their names exactly i was in the shower referring like thinking over okay oh. like, don't worry about it. <laughs> so that's you've been, you were you know my mentality i'm very like okay think of all the things that could go wrong and don't make him go that way <laughs> oh my goodness so today i'm sitting down with my son yes my 19 year old lucas who is my oldest? I'm the oldest. You are the oldest. And you are going to the U. Yep. And what are you majoring in? I am in the International Business Scholars Program. And after a year or two, I think I'll go into entrepreneurship and minor in information systems. Oh, that's super cool. Pull the mic closer to your mouth because you're talking kind of quiet. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, <laughs> this is better. It looks like it. So Lucas, I have talked to, I talked to you a while ago about sitting down and Mm -hmm. having an interview because in the Mormon religion, baptized, blessed, done all the things. I did baptisms for the dead in the temple once and Mm -hmm. all that. So when did things start shifting for you as far as the religion? Um... When I was like 14 or 15, this was, you you had already left like the church and it was one of those phases where I was kind of figuring out where I stood in it, I guess. And I guess that's just where my um, intuition kind of came into play too. And me thinking to myself a lot of certain situations. And I went to church a couple of times still with my dad and like, it just, it was very uncomfortable for me. I got asked all these questions I didn't know about. Apparently, you're supposed to read the Book of Mormon a couple times, and I never read a page of it, like, on my own. Like, I just, like, never clinged to it, I guess. Yeah. And it's funny, because, like, in the past, there's a bunch of times where I did refer to it, and, like, I used it as, like, a safe place. Referred to? Like, just being, like, religious and Mormon and, like, mm-hmm. prayer and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from, like, a younger perspective, like, when I was younger, like, maybe 10 or so, I used it as a place of comfort mm-hmm. and that was like what I cling to. And it just like, it helped me out. But growing up it was just kind of figuring out that what about it gave me comfort and then what kind of set me apart from it as well. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. What part did you ever figure that out? Like what part yeah. of the religion gave you comfort? Well, I mean, I remember um, way back when we lived up, um, we lived in our last house and way back when a few uh, years ago oh yeah well, up in Suncrest. it was like right when i moved there when i was in like seventh grade i think so i was 13 12 13 uh-huh it might have even been before that but anyways i remember there was one night where i was like like i don't know what was going on i was even having like a bad day or i was like scared or something like that and i knew since you weren't religious and dad was this is like I just had the thought where I was like, okay, I'll call him. And like, I called him and I was like, dad, can you like say a prayer with me? And like, I used that as like comfort. And that was like, it worked super well for me. It helped a ton. And we did that pretty often. And then as I kind of grew up, I just like 
figured out this sense of like stability and that comfort kind of, it comes from like a place like within yourself where you figure your own shit out and you can do it on your own without like reliance on another like power in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know? So just to give some context, your dad and I got divorced when you were, let's see, 2012. I was in third grade, so. You were 10. Was I? Yeah, Yeah, because you were born in 2002. Yeah. So you were 10 when we got divorced. And around the same time that we got divorced, I also left Mormonism. Yeah. So Lucas, you being my oldest, was 10. Jordan was, oh my gosh, how old was Jordy? Two. Two. Yeah. I think it was two. So four kids from the ages of two to 10 go through divorce and then also get to deal with their mom now leaving religion. Yeah. So let's talk about the divorce for a minute. Are you okay with that? Perfectly fine with that. Are you sure? Yeah. What do you remember from that? What was the hardest part for you? The stereotype behind it. What do you mean? Because, I mean, from that age, it's like, especially here, like everybody's parents are married. You have a great Christmas. You like all these holidays and birthdays spent together. You're so happy. Like if your parents get a divorce, it is just like, it is the worst thing that happens. You see in movies where like, like world just collides and the end of the world. Yeah, pretty much. And I was, and you guys, I remember it was a Sunday and you brought us out in front of the garage. Was it Sunday? Yeah, it was a Sunday, middle of the day, right after church. I don't know why I remember all that, but. Because it was a traumatic day for you. So you'll remember. But then you brought us out and you were like, oh, we're doing this. And like, it took me a second and I was like, holy shit. And so like, I'm 10 years old, started bawling my eyes out. I think I ran inside or something like that. You did run inside. Yeah. And I'm like, it was just one of those things where in my head, I'm like, I'm never like, we're never going to be happy. Like so many things could happen. I'm going to get judged at school because now my parents are divorced and like everything's going to be different. Cause again, with me, um, I struggle a lot with change and the especially back then where mm-hmm. I like, it was worse. And so it's like a huge change. We're probably going to have to move a lot. And like, I'm freaking out. And as a 10 year old, I'm like, didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember, do you remember the conversations you would have with me with trying to talk me into staying married I, to your dad? I don't remember all of them. I do remember one time when I was in the room that Mikey's in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in your old bedroom. Yeah, holy shit. Um, and we, I don't know if dad slept in the room that I was in now or whatever. We Like it was this weird phase where he was like working on moving out and all that. But I'm like, I remember, I don't, I'm pretty sure you remember this, where I was freaking out. I'm like, Mom, I just have like a feeling you're going to go in there and do something to him. And I'm like, it was this weird place of fear that just like came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, and the challenge with our divorce back, not back then, but the challenge with our divorce is it was, and you know this, it was me that, that was the one that said, I'm done. And your dad kind of manipulated that. And, yeah. and it was challenging because that there was a night, I think it was the night that we told you I had to leave that evening um, because of a friend that was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And your dad was in the room with you putting you to bed. And when I came home, you were still awake and your dad was in your bedroom. And who knows what he was saying, but you were begging me, will you please just have two meals a day with dad? Yeah. Will you please just, you know, cause dad's willing to try if you are. And which was challenging for me as your parent, cause your dad and I had gone to 
uh, counseling for almost a year at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't like just a quick decision. Yeah. And you and your 10-year-old self was well, freaking out and why, you know, couldn't well, yeah, quite understand it. Because at, at that age, it's like, all the only context I'm given is this, whatever he said to me, which I honestly don't remember anything anymore. Um, and, and you're 10. Yeah, and I'm You're 10. processing it the best you can. So you were pissed off at mom. Mm-hmm. You were mad at me. I did not me. like you for a while. Yeah. And that was challenging. Mm-hmm. One of the best advice that I received back then um, from a good friend of mine, she told me that if I was fine to you guys, if I seemed okay, then you guys would be okay. So I did my best to kind of keep that face because that was it was hard. That was hard for mom. It was yeah. hard for me too. But um, do you remember me taking you to a play therapist, to Susan? Yeah, all the time. Do you remember the I first time? No. Maybe. Me ta- I mean, you were barely talking to me, and I take you to her. And after the session, I take you to go to Pizza Factory. And after yeah. the session, you were chat a little bit more talkative with mm-hmm. me. And we sit, we're sitting and having dinner. Or lunch, I can't, I can't, maybe it was lunch. Something like that. And, it was really lunch. And I said to you, Lucas, everything's going to be okay. Do you remember this? Slightly. I remember, I love the breadsticks, and like, I remember, <laughs> dude, The food, I'm talking about the conversation. Well, like. okay, well, that's what I relate to, foodie. <laughs> I, I. This is when you told me about um, your spirit. Oh, Jack, Jake. Yeah, what is this? Is it Jake? It was Jake or Jack. I can't remember. Somewhere along those lines. Yeah, you, you. I said to you, Lucas, everything's gonna be okay. You just gotta, you know, just trust me. And and at that point, all of a sudden, you started opening up and you said, "I know it is." And I said, "What do you mean? You know, everything's gonna be okay." And you said, "There's this," and I don't remember if you said spirit. I don't know. I think it's was something along the lines of. I didn't say being, I want. I almost want to say I said like imaginary friend or something like that. I don't think you even said imaginary friend because at that point, Papa had died. And so you knew, you know, think we talked about spirits crossing over yeah. and still being with us. And um, so I think you talked about a spirit or someone that came to you. It was something like that. And you said that this person started coming to you. His name was Jake. Mm-hmm. And he told you everything was going to be okay. Yeah. And... All of it, something in the combination of you seeing Susan and then having that experience, like all of it, it completely shifted. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember this part because I'm pretty sure this is, so the first day is when it wasn't like the most, it wasn't where we just like played games, if that makes sense. Because most of the times when we went there, we oh, with just Susan because she's yes. a play therapist. Yeah. yeah. So she'd play with you guys. Um, But I got there and I'm like sitting on the couch and like, when I'm in there, I've heard that therapist, you can tell them whatever. Like, again, I'm 10 and I just, whatever. Well, that's what too. I told you too. It yeah. preface because it's the first time you're going to therapy. Yeah. And this then, is a safe place. She exactly. doesn't talk to mom or dad. You mm-hmm. can say anything there. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, whatever we say here, like, it stays just with me and all that. So immediately I'm like, okay, I'm in a safe place. And so I like, I, I remember asking a lot of questions and then me giving like a lot of, or trying to give a lot of answers at least. And, I was like sobbing the entire time, like just like bawling. And I'm like, try, it was it was like a toddler crisis. I don't know. Like it was just, I was freaking out. I'm like, all this stuff. And 
she's talking to me and it's like, you know, like a lot of kids have gone through this and they're okay. And I'm like, really? Like, I've mm-hmm. never heard of that. And so that kind of helped out. And then again with Jake, like that whole thing just, it was like a sense of like warmth where it just kind of like. When he came? Yeah. Because um, it was just, it was like a blue aura kind of thing where you like, it's just like this thing that's here. All I could see was color and it was just like subconscious. What do you mean subconscious? Like I would. You didn't necessarily hear him with your physical ears, but. No, it was like I would be on my own. I don't know where I would be, but I would just like start getting this place of kind of, oh, like what's, what's going to happen? Like Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then another voice that like, it's like, not like my inner thoughts or anything. It's just, Hey, you're going to be okay. Like, like first I'm like, what the, like, Mm -hmm. and I just remember it was, it was like a toy when I was a kid, right? Like we'd be in the car or I'd be on my own and I'd be thinking to myself like, huh, I wonder, like, I think it's going to be all right. Like I had a fun day today. I played basketball, scored, scored a shot, like Mm -hmm. played soccer, blah, blah, blah. And then like another voice coming, like, glad you had a good day. And I'm like, (laughs) thanks. Like, what is this? And just kind of like evolving around that, I guess. It was interesting to define it as a toy, but I guess it would be something like a new discovery. of Exactly. That's why I was so curious. Well, I was like fond of it too. It wasn't like a place of fear. It was a place of like curiosity. Yeah. Super cool. So So we went through this phase and then on the heels of it, mom leaves Mormonism. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. in your life? Oh yeah. And what do you remember? You were like party. Party? Like, yeah. Cause and like, this is what, like, <laughs> I remember you one You and I have not had this conversation before. So no, this is, so this I'm is curious. For you and me. Well, not me, but no, I remember just, you had, you had friends over a good amount of time and you guys would be out by the fire and you drink a little bit and like all this stuff. And we had a ranger and every now and then we would go on ranger rides and you'd let me steer or like drive a tiny bit. And I was at this point, how old was I? Like 11, maybe 12? I don't know. Probably 11, but we, they would all be over. And I remember some of them were cool as shit. Like, I'm like, holy cow, these guys are older and they're talking to me. And like, cause with like my personality, <laughs> I love like being with like people who are older than me. And like, cause uh-huh. I've always felt like a more like intelligence or maturity. But anyways, everybody's going insane or not insane. Like just having a good time. Everybody's laughing by the fire. And I'm like. I never knew people could have fun while drinking. All I've heard about drinking is you just die from it. Like you got a car accident. And I just remember these three guys are like, sup little man, like tell me something about you. And I'm like, my name's Lucas. I play soccer and I drive Rangers. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I drive Rangers. They're like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so I took them on a Ranger ride. I don't know if you remember this, but Lambert Park was still open. And late at night, like we go on a Ranger ride. I'm driving these three Older men, I don't know how old they are. I don't even know what you're talking. I don't even remember this. This is like one of the now, best I, memories. Now, I want to just clarify for all of the listeners. Yeah, this might be a little spotty. I, th- no, not that. But it's not like I had huge parties. No, it was just, you had like friends that would come over and like. Like it was my friend group. Yeah, like we're was, talking well, Yvette like, and probably Rachel and Jess. And, yeah, and they're like just like those. And then guy friends. Not like a huge party. Sorry, when I say party. Because I'm like, not a huge call. drinker and I've no. never been a huge drinker. No. So this is you're just tipsy. when you're saying. <laughs> party it's not like we were having full-on rangers this is my 19 year old slang talking i'm sorry (laughs) right let's just make sure we're clarifying but no granted this is your 10 year old self that's like oh wow yeah well i'm like i've never had a party like my birthday party isn't even this lit like (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, no, but I take him on a range ride to Lambert, and I'm like, oh, like my mom would be so mad right now. And they're like, you're fine, man. And I'm like, all right. Not like I didn't know. Of course I knew. Yeah, that you, you did. Were. But I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going so far. But I was only Lambert <laughs> like a minute away. But no, we're driving, and we stop at one point, and we look over the side. There's two rattlesnakes. And I'm like, I, re- I remember this. You can't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been at night then. Rattlesnakes don't come out at night. It had I, to have been I'm during te- the day. No, I'm telling you, it was at night. I don't know. Like, I know it doesn't make sense, but I remember like it was dark. I had the headlights on. And I saw them in the headlights, so we drove up because I'm an idiot, and I'm just I'm like you're next not, to them. Oh my gosh! Well, I was is. a ten. You're not an idiot. Well, no, I was ten years old. Ten, I'm eleven. Like, I'm like, like oh my gosh, rattlesnake! Drive up to it and like sit, be next to it. So next to it, shine a light at it, and like they're just chilling there, and I'm like we should probably leave. And they're like, yeah, sure. And then we just came back and I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> so what do you remember though about mom? Not like, do you remember me having a conversation with you guys about, Hey, I'm not going to be Mormon anymore. I mean, I remember, I don't really, I remember the conversations I would have with dad because he struck fear into like us about that. Or about me, being Mormon. And I wasn't. no about you not being religious and drinking and stuff. Like I remember he freaked me out one day in the car and we we're driving and he's like, He's like, I don't know how I feel about it because like you're all my kids and I want you to be safe. And I'm really scared that you guys will get really hurt and she'll be drunk and won't be able to drive you guys to like the hospital or something like that. And I'm hearing this and I'm like, oh my God, like he's right. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? Especially and, because at a young age and drinking, yeah. like you just instantly think that yeah. it's, yeah. And so like that, I'm immediately like, oh my God, like this is like I could die. I remember being with, see, that's, this is the thing. I think in your mind, the context is a little out of order because the first time when I was married to Sean and we had Thanksgiving and we were drinking that night, you were, we had like, I think I had a glass of wine Mm -hmm. with Thanksgiving dinner in Colorado and and Sean had a drink and you were so, all of you kids were like, I think that was the first time I had drank around you guys in public Yeah, and you were scared. Oh, I was horrified. And I, and this was, that's why I think the context may be a little bit, or the timeline may be a little bit jumbled, um, which makes total sense. I mean, you're young, but I remember you being really worried and like, yeah. holy crap, you know, are you sure you're okay to drive? And it's like, hey buddy, that's not, you know, drinking, you can yeah. have a drink and be totally fine. I yeah. mean, if I had five drinks and that would be a different conversation, although I'm a lightweight, if I you had two drinks, lightweight. No, you have a, <laughs> anyway, but I remember having to have that conversation with yeah. you. And it's, I mean, I'm like 10, 11 at this point, And I was like, I was super, I'm the oldest in my head. And I'm like, okay, I got to take care of everybody. <laughs> everybody has to be well, okay. Well, you already had that with the marriage with your dad and I, there's a lot of adultification that had happened between that relationship. So yeah. you already carried a little bit of that where you felt like you had to be the parent, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. which was one of the big reasons why I chose to end that marriage. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Anywho. So you don't remember a conversation about me leaving? Not really. No. If I'm being honest. No, I, well, of course I want you to be honest. What do you remember about those years with being Mormon with your dad and mom not being Mormon? What was the hardest part for you? I mean, it, there was a f- sense of loss, like in the beginning of it, because I'm like, I lost my mom. Like, I don't, I didn't see you a lot. I didn't want to be around here a ton, right? Like, I like, yeah, you I had to, you struggled in the beginning. Yeah, I preferred being with my dad. And, which is interesting how much it's changed. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just a thing of, 
where honesty, like that's when I found it like honesty is like huge because the level of honesty between you two is very different now that I'm thinking of it because you were very straightforward with what you said. You're like, hey, like this is happening and like this and this and this, but it's going to be all right. And you weren't saying what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And then dad would say the stuff I wanted to hear where he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know like what's going on over there, but like over here, we're totally safe. Like we don't like none of that's going to happen. We got a German Shepherd. I don't know how that was playing <laughs> it, but like, like all this stuff. And well, he was saying all the right things. And I'm like, yeah, like, let's do it. And so it was just one of those, like, um, where I was divided where, I mean, I still spent some time with you and like, yeah, I would, I was very closed off where I would try it, but it was uncomfortable to like be as open as I now am and all that. But yeah. Well, I also started introducing energy to you guys. We would sit, do you remember? We'd sit in my meditation chairs and we would play with energy balls and I I would have conversations with you that, you know, Sundays are a day to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And it could be having church in the mountains. Which or, is super weird to us. Yeah, it was me. new. It was new. And the reason why I think it's really important to talk about this is a lot of people that listen to this podcast, a lot of them are parents. Yeah, exactly. And one of the, the hardest things with um, leaving religion when you have kids is knowing what to do. And so I think that's why having this conversation is really helpful because yeah. here... You know, you've gone, it's now been nine years since yeah. that all went down. And, and I mean, if I'm going to, from like a younger perspective, being a kid in the whole situation and to like give advice, I guess I could say, being more honest, like brutally, not brutally honest, but like more <laughs> straightforward in the start and just telling your kids like, hey, this is how it's going to happen, but I like, it's going to be okay. Like all this other mm-hmm like outside information that you're hearing, some of it's true, some of it's false straight up. And you may like subconsciously just know like in the moment they might they might not like you, they might go against you, rebel, whatever it may be. But like in the end, like especially once they start maturing and figuring out that the world isn't a bubble, like stuff happens and like figuring that out, it all works out. Like, yeah, I popped your bubble. Yeah, exactly. And like... Do you regret it? No. Would you change any of it? No, I don't like that question. Why? Because why would anybody change something in the past that would make you different? It's a normal question to ask, and I think it's a good one because you talk about reflection. You know, is there anything that you yeah. wish that was different with well, how yeah, mom or if, dad handled things or how you, you know, you can't go back and change it, but sometimes reflection offers perspective. Yeah, but I mean, if you go back to that like question, in my mind immediately I go, well, if like I would have made it, so you guys didn't get divorced. Really. Like this was executed a different, like a different way, and in a way that I much more preferred. It would have made me who I am, like right now. Mm-hmm. And you can't learn lessons if nothing bad happens to you, right? Mm-hmm. Got to crash in order to learn how to drive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let's not start that conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> You're a dork. I am. Well, so we go through a few years of you guys being Mormon with your dad mm-hmm. and. Him taking pictures on the Sundays you guys I would. I hated those <laughs> so much. Like, holy shit. Oh, that you, dude. Your dad was very much and still is very much a need to make Picture sure and post family. it. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and play Mormon for 
all sorts of different reasons. The irony is, is he's not Mormon now. Yeah. Which, and he drinks now. Yeah. And... Like what the F word, like, holy cow. <laughs> so it's just funny how time, James. time changes things. But do you remember when you got to a point to where you no longer felt comfortable at church? 14. Like what happened? I, I, it was a, it was like a slowly, like just going down kind of thing. Like where like progressively just got like worse and worse where I'm like, I think it was when I like moved up classes, however that works. Like you know, when you graduated from priest to deacon, or I, I don't even know. No, it was remember. deacon to priest. I think is yeah. what it is, and because like deacons was deacons was literally like, oh, we'll have a good time, talk to each other, go play basketball for our, like scout thing, say a prayer, and like somebody will recite a scripture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what you guys are saying. I'm just here to play ball. Like that's, and I'm just having a good time. Being with a ton of people because the social aspect of the church, honestly, it's phenomenal. Like yeah, I, it's awesome. I really do in think, the community. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and like the community, everybody's like positive and everybody's having a good time. You can like you make so many friends, and it is unfortunate when you step out of the church. Like a lot of those friends do kind of like fade because mm-hmm. of different choices and such. But I do think that the social aspect of church is phenomenal. But yeah, when I was fourteen, I remember. I went to church more to dress up than I went to be to church. And like, I know that sounds weird for a second, but when I was well, like, thir- your dad told you that you were going. Well, yeah. But like, I mean, I'm 13, 12, 13. I'm wearing like a suit and tie and like I'm getting compliments from all these people. And like, it's just stuff you do with little kids mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, look at this little man. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like I look good. And I was just <laughs> like, where I would go for the compliments more than I would actually go for like what, like the whole thing is there for. And it was like the oblivious side of me where I'm like, I'm here because I want to talk to some of my friends. If I don't want to hear anything, I can just play on my phone. All so stuff. what happened, though, from you going to feeling like there was comfort and, you know, calling your dad to say a prayer to not feeling like you wanted to be there anymore and then eventually choosing not to go at all? I think seeing an outside perspective. Because, I mean... What do you mean? This is this is when I started using social media a little bit more. And, like, you leaving religion and playing with energy and us kind of getting a taste of that where we're like, I don't know if... Because this is where freedom of thought came in for a lot of us, for like our all of us. Well, because one of the things that I would do with you kids is when I, I would ask, how was church? And you'd say, blah, blah, blah. You'd say all the different things. And I'd say, awesome. So did you feel like it was true? Yeah. And was- you'd say, wait, what? And I said, just because your teacher is saying something doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. And it's important for you guys to feel and to determine for yourself if that feels true, like truth to you. Yeah. And talk straight into the mic, buddy. Yeah. Um, you can pull it, move it. Gosh. Um, <laughs> no, I think that. So part of it was me trying to help you guys with supporting you. And I would have these conversations. Well, if you chose to go discussion. on a mission, if you want to do that, I will hundred percent support you, but I want you to go because that's what you want to do. Yeah. And that's, that's where it's like the two sided conversation of it. Cause it's where I'm hearing one thing and I'm just like, yes, yes. Like you're saying all the right things. Like, totally agree with you everybody else is crying because you're saying this like in church and like all this stuff and like it has to be true right and mm-hmm. then getting south side perspective where it's like okay these people think it's true do you and i'm like where you have to actually ask yeah, the question where you think about it where it makes your like gears turn a little bit and that's where um a lot of it kind of came in and when going back to your question where you're like when did i feel it kind of start playing out of it more when I moved up and it got more serious because I went there for the playing aspect, the social, social aspect, all that. When it got more serious where it's like, all right, like did everybody read like Nephi 12, 
what was your favorite part about it? Let's and where do you want to go on a mission? Exactly. I like the I, mission. I feel like for me, looking back, that's what you complained about the most. Well, it's because in the beginning, I loved it. Like I was like, oh, how cool would it be to go to Germany? Because I mean, I'm <laughs> for some reason. Well, I mean, not for some reason. <laughs> your dad German, is German. So, yeah, exactly. So I love German culture and everything about it. And so, I'm like, how cool would it be if I go there? And I viewed it more as a vacation instead of serving. And once I viewed it as that, and I'm like. And getting these outsized perspectives, that's what um, soccer helped me with, actually, too. Because I had, all throughout, like, when I played soccer, I had these Brazilian, Colombian coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And one thing that one of my coaches said to me that really stuck out when I was on Stars United, I don't know if you remember that, but he said something about how, um, he's like, oh, we're a really good team, but you guys will never go far. And we're like, I mean, we're 12, we're like, what? And he's like, because the prime time for you'd actually do something and take the next big step is when you guys in your religion go on a mission. And I'm like, what? Like, that can't be true. And then I'm, I thought about it more. I'm like, from 18 to 20 is like the general range. And just thinking about, it's like, I, and this is when I was questioning everything too, where I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend two years doing something I'm questioning and where I can stay home and better improve my, my personal Mm-hmm kind of life for two years so because it started getting more serious that's yeah. kind of when you started going wait a minute i don't know what yeah, i think about and it was, this well it was uncomfortable questions too because i like a lot of the teachers um they're super sweet people but the but they would direct questions to people who were answering and i never wanted to talk in class mm-hmm. at the point where i um i'll be quiet in the corner and i'll go on my phone and try and distract myself and then go, Lucas, what do you, what do you think about the scripture that you read and stuff? And I would go, Oh, I didn't read it. And everybody's like, like not audible, but it's just, you kind of get that feeling and they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, why not? And I'm like, Oh, I just never got around to it. Or I'd make up an excuse to lie about it because I didn't want to get judged. And, um, just being in class and being like, feeling like you're getting targeted because you're the odd one out and just, that kind of aspect where it was a lot of pressure and like judgment. And I just, like I started like falling out of it. And do you remember being asked to speak in sacrament? Yeah. Yeah. So first time you're probably about 14 at the, the one the second was, time. Yeah. Cause the first time I spoke, right? Like you, I think you were there. And, um, I procrastinated it like none other. Cause I, it was something I've never done. I, at that point, I did not like public speaking and stuff like that, where now I love it. And I, it was very scary. And mm-hmm. I was very nervous because obviously, like, I'm younger, never really do this. I'm talking in front of so many people I know. And I procrastinated it a lot. And there was one day where um, I went to a basketball, BYU basketball game with grandma. And where she's very like strong in the church and she's, a, she's phenomenal with it and all that. I, um, she knew about her. I told her about it and she helped me like write it up and everything. And it was at a very kind of awkward point because I didn't have a strong belief in what I was talking about. So I used this to kind of leech off of somebody else who does have a strong belief in what they would say. And I, mm-hmm. so I was a lot of the stuff that we talked about, I copied word for word from her and used it in my speech or my talk. talk. And apparently, like, apparently I zoomed through it and I don't even remember what I said. Like, I probably, like, I don't even know, but I printed it out. 
had it all written up. Got a lot of compliments after, obviously, for like confidence boosters. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, great. Never have to do that again. And then a year passes or so. I was like, hey, it's been about uh, it's been about a year. Like, you ready to give another talk? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, what? I was done with that. <laughs> do you remember me having the conversation with you that you yeah. get, you can say no? Yeah, but I didn't know I could. Like in my mind, I'm like, like I told him, I'm like maybe, and he's like, he's like, no, you kind of have to, and I'm like, oh, like okay. Did I tell you about it, and you're telling me you have a choice. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> like I'm able to say no. And it was a battle, I remember, because I'm emailing him, texting him, whatever. Um, I think it was email, because yeah. I helped you. And I'm trying to say in like, the most adult form possible, like, due to personal circumstances, like, I cannot talk and like, all that I stuff. I can't remember what you said, I but I helped either. you write it. Yeah, and he, he helped yeah. He responded and, and he trying was, to encourage you to exactly, do it. Exactly, he was a little pushy towards it. And I'm like, like no, I do not want to do this. Like, uh-huh. It was a, like a chore last time and yeah. all this, and so... <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, you yeah. said no. Yeah. So that was like a oh wow I can say no I have yeah, choice it was a freedom, here. It was a more freedom of speech thing. Right. Yeah. Again. Again. And then you got to a point to where I remember you, you know, you being the oldest was the most vocal about not wanting to go to church. Yeah. And you really started struggling going to church and mm. would tell your dad you didn't want to go. Yeah. And would battle with your dad. And you finally got to a point to where your dad. Um, gave in and, and uh, I, yeah. you had to stand your ground though. Pretty oh, firm. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I don't, cause I don't feel like, especially from a younger perspective, like I had all my, like I had my shit together. I was a good, like it wasn't like I was a rebel and I needed like cleansing and all that stuff. Like I was cleansing. I don't know. Like how to put you it were a good, you're a good kid. Yeah. I was a good kid. Like I didn't feel like I was doing anything bad. So I felt like it was so unfair. And I'm like, dad, like I really like, makes me uncomfortable and like i don't want to go there and it's a sense of like inner like where i'm like why don't you want me to be okay like why are you like hurting me in a sense Mm -hmm. and i remember we came to like a deal where he's like every other sunday you don't have to go or something like that and i was like well every other sunday you were with me well like with him i'm pretty sure i think at least and i was like okay great like i'll take that deal like i'll take anything i can get at this point because he talked your ear off with that stuff yeah and i remember it was the sunday that he told me i had off and i was like I'm like i'm so excited like i get to sleep in and all that stuff and for like some context this next like part i'm gonna say in the upstairs by my bedroom before you step like take a step to my door you can hear a little creak in the wood and it's the scariest noise i've ever heard on days like that yeah. and it's sunday and it's like nine and i'm like oh i thought i could sleep in and i hear a creak and i immediately wake up because i'm a super light sleeper and he comes in and he's like get ready for church and I'm like, what? You said I didn't have to go. He's like, yeah, well, I changed my mind. Plans change. And I'm like, that's not fair. He's like, life's not fair. Get up. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what the? Are you kidding me? I was going to sleep in, play video games? Like, stop. And so I'm like doing a little battle. I'm like, dad, you said with your word, you promised I didn't have to go to church today. And like, I could tell he was upset by something. And it was probably some stupid bullshit. But um, he's like, yeah, well, like sometimes stuff just doesn't happen doesn't work out and that deal like i think like you said some stuff that didn't really make a whole lot of sense so we're going to church and and it got turned on me and this is before i learned like okay hold your ground Mm -hmm. and so i'm like fine like i'm like i'm getting dressed kind of crying a little bit playing some music to kind of myself up but it was one of the harder things to kind of like figure out because i hate being lied to like i 
just hate it. Biggest pet peeve. And I think that's probably like where it kind of came from. And I, it was a sense of betrayal too, where I'm like, you said I didn't have to go. And now I'm in this place. I'm all uncomfortable. I'm in church. I'm texting you. I'm like, I hate it. Like it's so bad. Mm-hmm. And like, I was at my breaking point then. Do you remember how old you were? Probably four, I'd say 14. 14. Mm-hmm. But you've eventually got to a point. I mean, it was definitely a battle. You got to a point to where your your dad finally let you guys not go. And it went from you. 15, though. Yeah, it was after probably after your 15th birthday, which yeah, that, that was, was not a, a great birthday. Yeah. And then after that, all your siblings also kind of chose out. And um, Jordan, I think, the your youngest, he enjoyed it. He was still in primary, and so he still enjoyed going for the social. And then eventually your dad stopped going. Yeah. So in some ways, it's kind of... It's interesting, I think, to reflect back and go, oh, Luke, you know, you st- you you held your ground yeah. and what you felt like was truth. And well, yeah, and that well, that made me <clears throat> such like a sturdy person, right? Like, because right now, I like it's very hard to peer pressure me and stuff. Every now and then, I'll give it. Oh, I can stuff, I can but, get you to do anything well, I want. Answer that stuff sometimes, <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, it built like the sturdiness where I'm like I'm a very straightforward person now. Like all my friends say it about me, and whether they like it or not, I'm like I'm telling you right now, I will tell you the truth. And like if it sucks, deal with it. Like it's just one of those things where. I've kind of built this strong standpoint where I don't get pushed over because I got pushed over so much when I was younger. Like yeah. I would, cause I was a pleaser. I would always say You're yes. You're still a pleaser. You've just, I've got managed it better. I've gotten better. We'll see when it. you get your next girlfriend, how you handle that. But you'll okay. see when that happens. I'm taking time, <laughs> taking time <laughs> off. <laughs> but no. Well, I think it's interesting that you commented that, um, just a difference of what was being communicated and how things were being communicated from me versus versus your dad mm-hmm. and having those two perspectives. I think that, I don't know that that's something that you've ever told, told me where, you know, we would have hard truths, hard conversations. It's not like I would be a, you know, totally brutally honest, but I would be honest yeah, you, and have those conversations and wouldn't, I don't know, skirt around things. You wouldn't banter from it. It was very like, you'd put it in a way that like me being 13, 14 could understand it like with all mine, but like not the full brutality of it in a sense. Yeah. I don't know why I keep saying brutal, but I don't know. Brutal, brutal. brutal. So fast forward. Now you're 19. Yep. That's my age. Yep. And you have a good little network of friends Yep. and dating's a little challenging because there's a lot of, you went on a date Third. where she was Mormon. You've learned, a few times that going on dates with Mormons probably not the best idea. I, the, well, the funniest one was going to dinner at Texas Roadhouse, oh, and Jesus. she's like, "You're like, oh, I don't think she's super Mormon." And then she's like, "Hey, can we pray before we have dinner?" I'm like, "Oh boy, that's Context, super Mormon." Though, she, sweetest girl, like, love. Oh, her I'm best. sure, she's fantastic. But that was one of the like, what the like, why? <laughs> and I mean, I've gone on a lot of dates, um, not to toot my own horn, I was kidding, but where it's it's been a little. It was very like difficult in the beginning because I'm trying to figure it out with because I, everything that I've heard is like when you're religious and you hear a swear word, it's like your ears start bleeding. Where I'm like, okay, don't do that. And then so where I would kind of give into it in a sense and like be okay with like acting Mormon or and like in dates. And then I my like longest relationship was with somebody who wasn't religious, and that was kind of me figuring it out. Like okay, like. This that was is, refreshing. Yeah, it was refreshing. Way. But yeah. then 
um, beginning of this year when we broke up, I went a couple, I've gone on a couple of dates since and it's, it's challenging, especially in Utah. Cause mm-hmm. it's almost like, okay, they're Mormon, but like not that much, you know, it's like where they're final swearing. It's like, all right, I'll take it. Like, Do you justify? You're like, yeah. oh, maybe I could date her. Like, maybe we'll be in the middle. I mean, like, I went through that when I was yeah. dating. And then and people who would say that they weren't really Mormon, it's like, uh, yes, mm-hmm. you are Mormon. This yeah. won't work. Thank you very much. Yeah, and that's where I've gone to now. Where it's like, yeah, if like if you're Mormon, like fantastic. I hope you're doing well and stuff like that, but that's just not for me. Like that's not where I'm at. Do you ever find yourself going, oh, maybe I should be Mormon or it'd be no. easier if I was Mormon? No. Like what about with not, your buddies? Not scoff, but oh, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you have friends that are Mormon and mm-hmm. friends that aren't. Yeah. How has that been? Has that been challenging? No, not at all. I mean, it's a very neutral game. I mean, a lot of them are Mormon now, but probably when they move out, they've said multiple times where they probably won't be anymore. Or maybe they'll identify as it, but they don't go. Like a lot of, a lot of them don't like going to church. Well, I think it's and, been interesting some of the conversations that I've had with your friends or that you've communicated with, you know, how do I tell my mom I don't want to go to mission kind of mm. thing? And yeah, well, I mean, and it's very, it's interesting with them because, I mean, I've gotten really close with them this year and all of my buddies come from obviously like a more um, religious standpoint. So coming to our house, I feel like, especially where we are very open, we're not religious, like it's okay. And then having these slight thoughts of, um, questioning of mm-hmm. like their own um, what religion, they, yeah. spirituality, and stuff. So them kind of getting a second pointer, seeing how we are without like with not being religious, and seeing how they are like, oh, I'm very similar to that. Like I don't. And I mean, we've talked a ton with them. Like if they identify as it, and they're like identify if they identify as being Mormon religious, then that's awesome. But if you're not, it's okay. Like there's other. Um, answers to questions that you have instead of you are unholy in a sense. I think it's it's been interesting to see how, especially with your group of friends, how I remember one time, you know, what what can't we say here? And it's like, well, geez, bud. Like, like it's you just, can say whatever. They, I feel like um, your friends have felt like they can be themselves here. That's oh, yeah. what's been communicated. Where um, And in that aspect, it makes me I'm grateful that we have a home to where mm. people feel comfortable mm. to be themselves because really what other environment would you want to create for your, for your family? Exactly. And that's like, like I have a solid like group of friends, like I love them all to death. And it's funny that you say that because last night I had two buddies sleep over and, um, I was like grabbing some like pills and blankets for them. Like, Oh, they'll be good. And one of my buddies, he says, he's like, I always feel so comfortable here. And like, just that. That's and I'm, good. And I'm like, good. Like, and he's the, he's the one that um was asking what he can and can't say here and it's like oh that's right yeah and he's from a very like standpoint where it's like you can't he's also someone that's really struggling with yeah he's figuring yeah he's figuring things out and and that's hard and my heart goes out to i don't know just that dynamic gets challenging because i was just reading recently in a book that was talking about and I hope I can regurgitate this correctly, but it's a channeled book. So I'll preface it like with that. Um, it's a Tom Kenyon book called The Hathors. And it's these beings that are communicating how they see human beings. And one of the things that they say is that, 
you know, it's funny because we everything that we say we want is on the other end of uh, on the other side of fear. And yet most of the time we're so worried to go through that fear to have what we're wanting. And there's a beautiful Marianne Williamson quote, too, that that goes along those lines of we're more afraid of our greatness than we are of of our shadows of that dark. And um, they comment, though, about how we raise our children and they say that they're in their culture, they have, they give a lot more freedom with their children. They have boundaries and kind of constraints as far as what they need to stay within. But then inside that there's a lot more freedom. Mm -hmm. Whereas humans don't give as much freedom because of, you know, things that we experienced as, as kids. And so we're trying to protect our kids. So we set all these rules in place to be the certain type of human being that we want you to be essentially. Mm -hmm. But what this end up, ends up creating, because our subconscious mind and our our belief systems are formed from the age of zero to nine years old. And that's when our subconscious mind really holds the most, you know, all of our, all of our, really the way we see the world, our filters. Yeah. Anyway, so we end up growing up to fear freedom. Yeah. Because as kids with parents who we're doing the best that we can, we put all these constraints of what you can and cannot do. And so there's not a lot of freedom in that because it's not safe to be free. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what we claim we all want is freedom. But there's this subconscious holding that freedom isn't safe. Well, yeah. And it's a sense of people wanting a structured freedom in a sense. Cause when you're a kid and you're getting all these rules, um, it's a, it's comfortable. Like you're, you get to a point it's where you're okay safe, with it. It's yeah, the safety it's, thing. It's where you're safe. And that's why I think it's funny and ironic in a sense how the parents who set the most rules have the kids who are the biggest rule breakers. Struggle the most. Yeah. yeah. And I mean. Well, most parents, and you don't know this yet, but most parents, we think our children are um, a reflection of ourselves, especially mm -hmm. Mormon yeah. kids. Yeah. And Mormon parents, they are, if they rebel, if they do something, it's a reflection of us as parents. We did something wrong yeah. instead of, and I remember um, when you guys were younger, when I was leaving religion, I had a friend that um, she had made the comment of, why are you so worried with what he looks like? Or what he's wearing today. Like, why wouldn't you let him choose what he's what he's going to wear? He's not a reflection of you. Yeah. And, you know, again, that was those first those first times to where you start having those bubbles start bursting mm -hmm. to where you start thinking outside of that container that you I was brought up Mormon. This is all I knew. Yeah. So you start popping that and it's like, oh, wait a second. That's right. Holy cow, you're your own unique person who happened to come through me and your dad. Yes, you have our DNA. Yes, you have these things that are, yes, you like to public speak and you're great at it. And so am I, but it's not as a reflection of me. It's a reflection of you that yeah. what you're doing <clears throat> and how can I best assist you to be the best human being that you can without any worries of what I want you, what I want you to do. Does it yeah. make sense? Yeah. And I think it's kind of a good standing or what was the right word? it's a good kind of perspective of like where our family kind of comes from where it's like you are your own person. Like you're not a reflection of anybody. Like you are doing your own shit. Like it's on you. If you mess up, great. If you do good, great. Like just learn. And do you feel like you do? Do you like that? Yeah. And well, I, and that's where it's a sense of, um, 
like a sense of relief kind of comes from. Cause I remember after I recently had a big like business presentation for a class of mine at the U I texted you and I'm like saying something about how I really like public speaking. I probably get it from you. And then you text me back. You're like, no, you get it from yourself. And like in a sec and like a small kind of feeling, I'm like, Oh yeah, I do. Like I'm doing this on my own. Like, cause you can't necessarily well, do you pass feel, it Do you feel like that was a comforting thing or like a realization thing where yeah. it's like, I, um, it's where I like to be myself, like do my own things. Like I don't need to worry about being, um, an exact like replication of you or my dad. It's like, I am writing my own book in a sense, not a sequel. Like it's the first thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, with everybody, with all of us and all of us, you know, all of you listening, we, we do have a tendency to do that. We see the things that we have that are sim, you know, similar to our parents. I know going through divorce, something that I've been trying to be very careful of is not criticizing your dad because there's a part of you that identifies with your dad. You know, yeah. there's his DNA, his DNA and my DNA makes, makes you up. So if I criticize him, there's a part of you that believes that, Oh my gosh, then my mom must not like this part about me. And I've always um, been very cautious about that. And yet at the same time you chose to come through us, but you are your own, you are your own person. Granted, yeah. The work that I do and the sessions that I offer, I mean, I assist people in breaking chains. And yeah. one of some, a lot of those chains are the t- chains from our lineage, from our DNA. Yeah, and you and I have had a good couple of sessions, too, where it's, I mean, you you say yourself, you're like, this is going to be interesting. I'm what like, What is? I was doing a session like that because I, like, I mean, when I was going through some stuff, I asked you for one and you're like, initially you wanted to send me to like a friend of yours. And I was, obviously, I'm okay with that. But then you said that you'll be all right doing it on your own. And it was one of those where it was like an emotional journey for you, I bet. And for well, me at the same time. Working on, especially your children, you have to, as a practitioner, you have to ask yourself if you're able to be clear enough, a clear enough vessel or a hollow bone to where my, my filters of you being my son aren't in the way. Exactly. So I can be as clear as I can. And I mean, I don't really remember your session. So to me, that tells me that I, yep, I was able to put, put myself aside so that I could be completely present. And, you know, there's a book called it didn't start with you that talks about the science of how lineage through our lineage, we have trauma that could get passed down through the DNA seven generations. And it's really a fascinating phenomenon. And you have to ask, there's, you know, there's a part of me that asks why, why would we create a construct to where we're passing trauma down through generations? Why would we do that? And I know the guy that wrote the, that book, it didn't start with you. He has a belief that it's, um, our lineage that wants their story to be heard. Yeah. For example, there was a story, did I ever tell you this? There's a story of this kid that he was like a star athlete, had a scholarship senior in high school, just, you know, 4.0 GPA mm-hmm. one night, he wakes up at like two in the morning and he's freezing and he grabs all these blankets to try and warm up. He can't get warm and he cannot fall asleep. And from that night forward, he cannot sleep. So his life completely goes, you know, falls apart because he yeah. can't sleep. And he ends up going and sitting in front of the, this therapist, the guy who wrote the book. 
And as he's talking to him, he says, the kid says a few things that makes him, triggers him to go, huh, this is a generational thing. So he asks the kid, hey, have you uh, had any family members that have had any trauma with freezing to death or, you know, ask some different questions. And it's been a while since I read this. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing and probably not hundred percent accurate. But I do remember you mentioning something about this. Out of me. So the kid goes home, talks to his mom and his mom said, well, actually you have an uncle. They don't talk about it very much because it's very traumatic mm-hmm. that at a, when he was a kid about the same age as the, I think it was the same age as this, her son, he, there's a blizzard and his job was to go, you know, he worked for like the telephone company or something like that. Mm. And he had to go out and check all the, I think it was the power lines actually had to go check them to make sure they were okay. And as he's going out checking them, he gets caught in the blizzard, freezes to death and dies. And so that's what in this guy that's writing the book, his theory is that these stories want to be told through the lineage, through Mm. the DNA. And um, in my belief system, I think it's kind of bullshit. Like, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Like, why would we need to carry, why would I need to carry three generations back of some trauma that my great, great, great grandmother yeah. held? And I feel like our generation and our, the next generations are the ones that are the chain breakers. And I help people break the chains of these constructs that don't serve. Yeah. You know, because how, how much does it serve you to go, oh, well, I, I'm only a great public speaker because my mom is. Not a lot. You know, it's like, that's great that that's part of, yeah, it's like, and okay, yeah, maybe my mom's great at it. So that's part of where I get it from and it happens to run in my family, but you know what? I'm the one who stands up there and I, I love it. I enjoy it and it's mine. Yeah. You know? So I think it, it just definitely is an interesting an interesting dynamic for sure yeah. of how to raise children. Yeah. And sometimes I make mistakes and I'm not the best mom, but you know, right. including all my marriages. Was, if you, between me getting divorced from your dad, me not being Mormon, mm-hmm. leaving religion and me getting married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced yeah. and married again. Yeah. What out of all of that that you went through in your in nine years, mm-hmm. what was the hardest? I mean, first off, it's a it's a clusterfuck. Part of my French, but like, oh, you can't say the f word on this. I'm just expressing Great, now myself. I have to bleep it out. I'm expressing myself. Um, For all of those that are judging me that I let my child swear, that's on you. That's, it's a personal <laughs> choice. Don't worry about it. Um, out of all of that, and then, well, one of the biggest traumatic factors of it too is Grishy dying. One of my dogs. Oh, it was our I, dog at the yeah. very, and it was right after, yeah, probably a year after the divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, I was super attached to that dog. Like, I yeah. know she was a great dog. Yeah. She had got cancer, lung yeah. cancer. So, anyways, repeat the question again. Like from all that, what was the hardest? The hardest, um, watching you go through it, because I mean, you and I are very connected, and the mother son's stance and there's multiple times where I remember I would see you cry and I would come up to you and I'd be like, are you okay? And then you'd bullshit it and be like, Oh, it's just work stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not, but okay, I'll walk away. I trade really hard not to do that around you kiddos. Yeah. But you sucked at it sometimes, but well, there was a, I, I carried a dynamic of, okay, if I'm strong, if I'm good, then you guys are good. And then there was also that aspect of, Hey, you know what? I'm human. 
and you guys get to see that I'm human and not perfect. And being a parent doesn't mean you're perfect all the time. Well, yeah, and that's what I learned with the with Grishy, our dog dying. I remember we had to put her down, and I was super sad and crying. And then you start crying, and I'm like, "Why are you crying?" And you said to me, well, "This is sad for me too." And that's kind of the standpoint where you're like, "Oh, like my mom is human, human as well. Like it's <laughs> not just super mom, like kind of thing." And so yeah, through that, because I mean. There's a lot of lot of stuff that happened through it and like honestly loved it at the end of it. Like in the moment, hated it. it. Sucked, like horrible. But end of it, I embraced it in a sense with helping other people. And that's just where like the caretaker and me kind of came out. Cause I mean, you went through three marriages and like would you say the caretaker or would you say the I would more the lover of you that, you know, loves and accepts people? And embraces them. It could be a mixture of all. Because there's... Because um... that's something I would say that all you kids have that is very unique. Especially mm-hmm. with my friends and their kids. And you guys are very open. Very warm. Like welcome anybody yeah. that comes in. And I, I have to wonder if part of it is because, you know, we ha- I unfortunately your mom has gone through several relationships until I yeah. found Trav. But I mean... It all happened and everybody took their own away from it. Like, I'm sure you took a lot of different stances from it than I take with me now. And, um, when it was, when it had all passed and I like came to terms with it, I talked to, like, I talked to a lot of kids in my school, never in person though. And what do you mean, never in I, person? What I mean by that is through like text and like uh-huh. Snapchat and social medias, um, I love talking with people. And there was a lot of times where I would talk to, um, random kids that like were on my social medias and I would say what's up and every now and then somebody would say I'm doing all right and immediately I'm like okay like let's talk about it like what's going on I've gone through a ton of my own crap like I'm sure you're like I will never be able to understand what you're going through but I will try my best to kind of come to terms and help you out and like I talked to a lot of kids that went through a lot of crap and it was and like they told me a lot of stuff that they didn't tell other people and because you felt safe yeah and they would always say like oh you're really easy to talk to and i'm like thanks i don't judge (laughs) well when you've been through a lot yeah like you learn you wouldn't yeah exactly and and it's almost one of those places where i wish somebody reached out and like a friend or somebody like that reached out and was like hey are you okay because it was never a friend it was always you sibling of mine travis yada 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 um but me talking to these people that um, we're going through stuff and I could help them out. It helped me for a while, but it was like emotionally exhausting and like draining because um, it'd be irritating talking to them one night for a couple of hours about stuff that's going on and trying to help them out. And the next day at school, like you walk past them in the halls and they don't even like acknowledge you kind of sense. It's yeah. Where it's like, it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, you helped them, but they don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. You were a safe place, but mm-hmm. in private, not, not in, in public. Mm-hmm. That would be hard. That'd be really hard. Mm-hmm. Well, We've been talking for an hour, oh. so we probably should should wrap up. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to share with your story? I don't know. I mean, everybody that knows me knows I'm an open book. Like, I, if anybody asks me any question, I don't know why, but I, I have no like restraints where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that. I am open with everything because I don't. That's how I am. But hold anything in, I guess. And so that's why I love talking with like my friends and. I think they like talking to me because um, 
I am very open and I don't hold much back. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'll tell them every detail about anything. Sometimes I'll talk too long. Let me, let me ask you this question. I'm going to interrupt you. What do you, what's your belief in God? So every time I get asked what religious, what religion I am, I say agnostic because do you I, know what agnostic is? There's truth. Like you believe in parts of every religion kind of ordeal, right? Yeah. And so, Kinda, but you do believe in God. You're not atheist. Atheists don't believe in God, so you do believe that there's a God. Well, I I don't know. There's a the social aspect to it because atheist is you don't believe in anything, Mm, and you don't believe in a God. Yeah, but agnostic is well, maybe I'm a like a perfect child between the two. I don't know, but well, do you believe in God? I believe in me and Mother Nature because or in universe like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um. I do think that there's some truths in each religion. Like I, I admire um, Islamic and Buddhist, um, some of their beliefs with like how life is. Mm-hmm. Love that stuff. Um, then kind of going to like the Christian Mormon where um, unity and family is super important. I love that. So kind of just going over all that, those are the parts I identify with, but I don't know if I believe in one higher power. One of the things that I wanted to talk about that we that we didn't is the aspect of energetics because yeah. that's something that I feel like at a very young age you were exposed to because that's what I shifted into is mm. energetics and energy and um and it kind of opened a door where it was safe yeah. here and I've noticed with your friends there has been conversations to where it's kind of like that fascinating, Hey, let's talk about spirits and energy and what is energy. And, and you guys eat it up. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, especially everybody was very, it's the curiosity thing because nobody like knows a lot about it. Right. Like, well, nobody really talks about it. Exactly. Because of our bubble that we're in in Utah and it's talking to them about it. There's still a lot of friends of mine that um, are curious about it and ask me a lot of questions. And there's other friends who they were in it, they saw it, and then they just think it's all kind of like they're like, oh, that's weird, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. That's what they want to do. And well, how often do you see spirits? Me? Yeah. Whenever I look for them, like I, I don't know. Every time I, I can tell when there's something around me. Like driving randomly, mm-hmm. I'll, I can feel another presence, and I'll just kind of like I'll bathe in it almost. Where I'm like, oh, this is. Interesting. Let's see how this goes or something like that. Maybe I'll ask questions. Maybe I won't. I've had a lot of encounters where I do like communicate in a sense with the certain spirits or beings or mm-hmm. however it may be. Um, I, do you like that you have a more broad perspective with possibilities or with energetics or spirits versus a lot of your friends? Are you asking if I like that I am more open-minded than they are? In well, it's sense? not an open-mindedness. It's a um, a different way of being, right? Yeah. You know, when you're Mormon, that's not something... I mean, Mormons talk about spirits and whatnot, but it's definitely more like my angels or it's a little bit of a different construct um, from energetics yeah. and being able to tap into uh, my spirit guide or Papa mm-hmm. and having a conversation with him when you're wanting to... Or, you know, that kind of a thing, which I think is with the network of friends that you have is something that you're, it's very unique. Yeah. And everybody's very diverse, which is the funny thing in like my fan group. Cause I mean, you have me who's into energetics and all that stuff. I have a couple of friends who are just straight atheists. Like they don't have religion. They don't believe. 
and a God or anything. And then there is friends who are religious. I do have some buddies who are very strong in the church and active and some who aren't. And just the whole diversification in it is very, it's very nice because none of us have to hold back. Well, we had a, you had all your friends are struggling. Why did we end up having a a healing here? Do you remember? curious. I know, I can't remember what prompted it, but we ended up doing a, how many people were in here? Eight, ten? About ten, I think. We kind of squoze into my treatment room and got very, very hot in here. Mm -hmm. And I did a guided meditation and a sound bath and we talked about energetics. And and, I mean, you had a variety of super Mormon to to not Mormon at all. And it was really interesting. And it always reminds me how much kids need to have these conversations mm-hmm. as far as what's an empath and oh my gosh, maybe I am picking up on energetics and hey, how how can I actually, you know, we've had conversations, especially with um, an individual in your life that's challenging of how to navigate him and putting around a bubble around you when you're having these conversations and re- recognizing it has nothing to do with you when he lashes out. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> And how how to hone your energy and yeah. how to manage that. And these are conversations that most parents don't have with their kids. And I yeah, think and that it's offered a skill set to you at a fairly young age that you wouldn't have otherwise. Well, yeah. And it's it's nice to have another perspective <laughs> instead of having this one where it's either like you're in it or you're going to hell kind of ordeal, right? Well, or the Holy Ghost is going to leave you and exactly. then you're going to be on your own and... and- Satan's going to come in and tempt you. And there's a whole lot of dynamics in that that are very like, that confuse me at times. But um, I guess just kind of going back to it with all my buddies who, whether they are or aren't religious and what they believe in, I think that offering a third viewpoint for them was very like exciting in a sense. And they were interested and it brought up a lot of um, questions following. Because I mean, after that, I remember... I was in the basement of my friend's house with a couple of buddies and it was like one and I like, um, I started seeing things and like just feeling and they freaked out and they're like, they're like, what? Cause I get into like that, um, mindset where I like go silent for a second, just kind of feel what's going on. And I felt one of my buddies, like grandparents outside who like passed or something like that. And it was, it was this weird, like empath thing where I haven't, really experienced it a ton before haven't been able to experience or experiment with it and so when i kind of brought it up and i was like hey so-and-so have you had a grandpa that like had this happen to him and he looked like this was this tall and it wasn't necessarily me speaking it was like another source but it was like i was communicating through from like Mm -hmm. what i'm hearing and he's like and they were having a completely different conversation like this was out of the blue and they're like what and i'm like (laughs) and so i repeated it to him and he's like yeah, that was my great grandpa who died a couple of years back. And I'm like, oh, he's outside. He's like, what the, like, what are you doing, dude? And I'm like, I'm like, sorry, like, you know me, I just kind of like get these feelings. And so immediately they're like, sit down. So we all sit down and they're all asking me questions, like bombarding me. And I think it's so cool because I'm like, all right, I got to share this viewpoint with them. Ask me all these questions. I'm tapping into them, like feeling what they're feeling, looking back on their past. And they're lo- like, they loved it. And um, it's funny because a lot of them still do like a lot of them will ask questions every now and then where they're like, Hey, like if we like, can I ask you about this and this and like what you're feeling blah, blah, blah. And then other, other um, buddies of mine, they're like, Oh, like 
I think that the stuff that you kind of like are into and like believe in is kind of just like, I think it's all kind of bullshit. And like, I just don't believe in it. I'm like, all right, that's fair. Like you do. Well, that's good that they feel like they can communicate that. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody like with me, everybody's very open and I'm very open to them. I think that's the nice um, relationship that's kind of reciprocated between our friend group. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I'm sorry. I'm yawning. Yeah. Goodness sakes. It's not even seven o'clock. Although it is 1212 today. 12, 12, 21 that we're recording, oh, BT Dubs. Oh, wait, what's that backwards? Or not, what's the word oh, for the it? the palindrome, it's yeah, not a palindrome. But it's a, today is, and we'll have to go check outside in a minute, but I think it's five planets that are all lined up. And then in the next month, there's some comet that we may never see again. I've heard about that. Yeah. I so there's some cool. really cool happenings happening right now. Well, those past three years have been insane. I know, right? It's got some more stuff too, but um, yeah. I mean, I think it's been interesting having this conversation with you and just offering a little bit of a different perspective. And um, I don't know. I think, you know, as parents, we have to make hard decisions. And I'm right now talking to the listeners that are listening. Yeah. You're 1,300 downloaders. Oh my gosh. It's how many? 1,300, did you say? I, I don't even remember telling you anything. Oh, you're so modest and humble, mother. Anyway, um, we have to make hard decisions. And I think the best thing that we can do for our kids is actually to be the example of what we hope for them one day. You know, of I've got to listen to my heart and I've got to listen to my voice and I've got to listen to what feels true to me and own who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I appreciated you saying that with... Yeah, I would say things that say things that were difficult, and your dad would say things that were comforting and what you wanted to hear. And after time, it was not that was well. Yeah, it's the cliche standpoint of not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear, kind of ordeal. Yeah, you know. And um, you know, you're a great kid, bud. I try. I try. I know you do. There's a lot of things that you just came came with that are natural. Yeah. And there are a lot of other things that I came because we've been through some hard things together. And goodness sakes, I just wrote a book about and published, republished. Republished, oh. You know, and, <laughs> and we even had harder conversations about that with, do you remember when I was writing it, of asking you how you felt about me publishing this and yeah. and if there were things that you were still resentful you know, with me about and yeah, I just told you I'm like I'm an open book. I don't hold anything on to really. Uh, but there were some, you know, and you guys all expressed that the hardest part about my breakups was the kids. Yeah, the kids we attach very easily to yeah. Things, you know, they become days. your step siblings, and then all of a sudden they're not your step siblings, and yeah. we don't have you build that connection almost. Yeah. But you are who you are because of everything we've been through. I am who I am because of everything we've been through. And I think that the best thing that we can do for ourselves and for each other is to be truthful to ourselves and own who we are and to have the courage to move forward in that way. And a lot of times it takes courage to do that. So is there anything else you want to share or say? Um leave your questions down below oh brother <laughs> i don't do that i don't know um i don't know just going to conversations like this or just with new people um i uh, judgeless non-judgmental just open-minded in yeah. a sense because there's a lot of conversations that you can have with somebody and 
because everybody nowadays is so quick to you see somebody and you think you know everything about them right and you judge them quickly and you can talk to them they're completely different and it's it's a beautiful thing but just go into conversations with people um open-minded don't be so quick to judge i guess and if you're curious ask yeah yep if you're curious ask all right thanks for hanging out with me dude well thanks mother for having me on the podcast do you feel like this was good did you like it yeah i mean i think the fans are gonna want a part two. Oh, you really <laughs> you think you want to do a part two i don't know i'm pretty i'm pretty wise what are we talking about in the part two whatever the people want to hear <laughs> <laughs> whatever the people want to hear i'm not you're funny i'm not sure all right well thank you thank you thanks mama Thank you, as always, for joining me and for listening to this interview with my amazing son. And what a treat for me to sit down with him. It's actually something that I had told him that I would love to have him on my podcast when I started the podcast however many months ago. So it's fun to finally sit down with him and and he shared things that I didn't quite know. So it was really cool to have that conversation. But Lucas is an amazing young man. And I have been so honored and privileged to be his mom. And just see the amazing kid that he was and is. And this young man that he's turning into. And, you know, what a privilege it is to be a parent. It's one of the greatest gifts that I have ever received. So again, go grab my book. You can find it on Amazon or there's a link down below in the show notes. And head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash quiz to take the relationship quiz and get access to my mini relationship course. And as always, remember you are not alone. We are here to carry each other home. And if you are feeling alone, please, please reach out to people or even send out to the universe that you're needing help. And then allow for people to come in and assist you. There are so many of us that are willing to be here for you. And I hope that this podcast offers a little comfort in your day and a little bit of a perspective and insight and tools and inspiration that you can use with wherever you are at in your journey. You are very loved.